AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldis.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. So good morning and welcome to another edition of the Aldis podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sparks, and today we are continuing with our digital transformation series, interviewing some of the best and brightest leaders and equal talent from across the digital transformation ecosystem. Today, we are lucky enough to be speaking to Richard Ross from ICF. Um, Richard currently holds the position of a Director of Emerging Technology at ICF. Um, Richard is a product agnostic, um, has a product agnostic career background, um, has a focus on uh, healthcare and the public sectors. He has a proven background in executing digital and business transformational strategies, been key advisor to a number of executives throughout his career, has been involved with multiple IT modernization efforts. In today's conversation, Rich will be touching on a number of different things um, that he's learned on his his career so far. Um, but again, you know, really going to be touching on uh, the, the learns that he's had on that journey and some of the digital transformation of themes and solutions that he is seeing and trends that are driving those in the public and, and, and healthcare sector. So, Rich, well, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be here. Excellent. No, thanks for making the time. So, you know, let's start off by giving our listeners uh, a quick highlight, high-level overview of, of ICF. So who, who are they as a, as a business? So ICF is a global consulting services company. We have over 7,000 full and part-time employees, but we're not your typical consultants. Um, at ICF, business analysts and policy specialists work together with our digital strategists, data scientists, technologists, and creatives. We try to combine unmatched industry expertise with cutting-edge engagement capabilities to help organizations and our clients solve their most complex challenges. Uh, We've been around since 1969. Public and private sector clients have worked with ICF to navigate change and shape the future since then. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for that. So, Director of Emerging Technologies, um, you know, obviously job titles can mean a number of different things. I'd, I'd love to know I suppose a bit more about what your role is exactly and, and some of the responsibilities you, you hold at ICF. As a director of emerging technology at ICF, I provide advisory, IT strategy, and other implementation services to our public sector businesses. So really, I, I serve as a trusted advisor to organizational leaders and these leaders that have a proven track record of you know, helping them discover new ways to deliver value through their creative use of emerging technologies such as AI, ML, natural language processing, uh, robotic process automation, or RPA, low and no-code solutions, for example, ServiceNow, uh, and data science and analytic solutions. And, you know, I work with a team of technologists to develop the strategies to really work and transform our clients' organizations and enable the greater agility, continuous innovation, and really improve their citizen and customer engagement. Nice. Um, I know when we, well, you know, when we first spoke uh, a few months back, you know, one of the things that really drew me to your your profile was that you maybe haven't had a, a sort of linear career path. There's lots of different facets to that. And as we touched on before, um, you know, a number of different products as well, which was really super interesting. Um, I'd love to know a bit about your career and some of the milestones and key moves you've made in that time. 
Well, first off, Ben, I would not advise anyone mirror my career. It's been exciting. It's been a great <laughs> ride. I uh, really enjoyed it. But uh, in, in that vein, I've been a technology executive with over 20 years of experience in leading and implementing complex initiatives across the public and private sectors, uh, helping my customers set a strategic vision, executing comprehensive IT plans uh, that most importantly leverage innovation to deliver business and mission value. Um, I think one of the things that during my career, I've really come to understand the importance of people, change, culture, technology, and the power of data to capture the value that's promised by digital transformations and IT modernization efforts. So in my journey, I've had the good fortune to help private sector companies such as the American Society of Clinical Oncology, known as ASCO, Salesforce, Gartner, Discovery Communications, ESPN, all in the private sector, as well as government agencies such as DHS and Health and Human Services. Um, some key projects and milestones in my career. Very early in my career, I started off as a developer with um, Bell Atlantic, now Verizon. Uh, then I quit, and this was in the late 90s. Then I quickly moved into that first dot com boom and really went on with a startup called Xtra. So I was one of the founding members of a Boston based healthcare technology consulting firm, Xtra. We're very fortunate to uh, sell in 2001 to a public company called Primex Solutions. Then another key milestone was post 9 11. Part, I was part of the technology team who stood up the technology infrastructure to support a little known, newly created agency called TSA. Uh, and then that obviously has rapidly grown and morphed into the DHS that we know today with TSA being a component of that. Um, then one of the really high points of my career is I led the effort to create an oncology analytics and rapid learning system called CancerLink uh, at ASCO. It's a platform that had the goal of housing the electronic medical records of all cancer patients in the US to support research and clinical care. I've also led the technology strategy to support the ever-changing missions of a national chain of urgent care centers. Uh, and this was most recently during the COVID-19 pandemic. So as you can imagine, when the pandemic hit, there was um, having to think through how we pivoted from you know, traditional urgent care set services to uh, really serving the communities best we could and helping with COVID testing, um, you know, COVID tracking, uh, contact tracing, things of that nature. So that was a very interesting, you know, pivot. And then most recently, this COVID-19 pandemic has impacted all of us in a variety of ways. And it really has served as an impetus for me to return to a consulting organization that's really focused on the public sector at the national level. Uh, so I mostly work with federal government, U.S. government agencies. Um, and I believe there'll be a great reset post-COVID. And I just want to do my little part in helping our country recover and move forward the best that I can in this role with ICF. So there's a lot of moves there, right? Um, you know, what would you say uh, you've learned from these? And, and I suppose looking back, why have they been so pivotal in your success now? I think what I've learned from all of these moves is really it's the importance of the team and the people that have had the good fortune to work with, work for. You know, I, I like to think that I bring a growth uh, mindset to any type of role that I'm in. And that was critical to help me navigate, as you say, between the public and the private sector and some of these different roles. And, you know, I learned that to be successful in any role, it's critical that you're surrounded by a strong team. And you have to really, you know, 
learn to lean on your team members. They need to lean on you. And, and that is so critical. The technology is almost, um, you know, a non-starter to a certain degree. The technology is there. We can all learn the technology. You can work with people that learn the technology, but you really have to um, have a, a great team. And the team has to really consist of what I've learned is consist of folks with the diverse backgrounds, you know, you're going to want some members of the team that you're working with to have that growth mindset. You're going to have others that are going to have a singular focus to be the best at whatever their niche is, whatever that may be. That's going to be their tunnel vision. They're going to do that very well. And the trick is trying to really, you know, navigate through those different personalities, those different skill sets that come together as a team. And I just I just found that was the one constant as I journeyed through uh, my career is you know, first and foremost was um, really looking at, you know, how do I fit into the team? What is my role going to be and how can I best support the team? And then secondly, you actually touched on it. Um, and I think it's important to have that mission orientation so that, you know, you want to really feel how you're being part of something bigger than yourself. You know, whatever it is that you're working on with this team, you want to think that you're looking to uh, contribute something positively. You're doing something that goes maybe be you know beyond the bottom line. That you're actually doing something that is uh, mission focused. That's you know whatever it is that you're working on that you believe that you're part of something bigger. And, and I think that having that belief has helped has helped me navigate my career to date. And I think those are two ideals that I, that I hold dear. So, so let's zoom out a little bit. Um, uh, again, when we first spoke, you know, I was really interested by your job title. So I can imagine you've got a, a very holistic view of the the the, uh, the industries that you support. So, look, digital transformation. We hear a lot about it in the industry. Um, I'd specifically like to touch on public sector and healthcare, if you don't mind. You know, what are some of the the, the trends and themes, and pro- probably even challenges you're seeing in the public sector specifically? Some of the trends that you see in the public sector, you know, there's so many, you know, we only, we only have so much time today, Ben, but we'll go through a couple of the key ones. That, that oh, I no, I want them all, all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> so I think, you know, first and foremost, the consumerization of technology is not going away. It's impacting the expectations of citizens and public sector employees. We've seen this play out over the last year during the pandemic, you know, especially as we all shifted to work remotely, we want to have that that user experience, that customer experience, much like I have maybe on a personal device. Why can't I have that same experience, you know, with, with my corporate applications and what am, what am I doing? So there's that expectation of consumerization. And that certainly is a trend. And at the same time, it's a challenge for many of our leaders to deliver that type of experience uh, to their employees, but then also making sure the services that you provide uh, to your customers, um, citizens in the case of the government. Um, so I think there's also a challenge that yeah, a successful digital transformation requires the marriage of emerging technologies with, with reimagined business processes. So it's not just about, you know, picking the cool new technology and implementing it. You really have to make sure that you marry that with reimagined business processes. And then the upskilling of the employees to make sure that that's successful. And then you have to make sure that you embrace that cultural shift. So, you know, I think this is something that a lot of organizations and companies are recognizing that this combination of technology, business processes, the um, constant improvement of their employees, and that's all underpinned with sort of a cultural shift um, is a trend that we're seeing play out. 
Uh, also, data, 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 the acquisition, processing, visualization, and the insights derived from data is core to, to anyone's business. All organizations are becoming data-driven organizations. It's no longer an option. There's a lot of interest and not a whole lot of utilization yet in understanding how artificial intelligence and machine learning can help in various aspects of the business. So there's a ton of in, there's a ton of interest out there. People are talking about leveraging AI and ML for data, but it's really hard to do because the data has to be clean. And that's a trend that people are really uncovering that, that, you know what, it takes work to, to use data, data, data and become a data-driven um, organization. So I, I think that's a trend that will continue. Um, there's the emergence of hyper-automation. Intelligent automation is here to stay. Task automation, uh, you know, the implementation of task automation, that allows you to prioritize higher value tasks so that your employees can focus on those higher value tasks. And an example of some technology in this space is UiPath. Um, and then using low-code, no-code uh, to tech-enable and digitize products and services offerings to ensure they meet those expectations that we talked about earlier, those consumer and employee experience expectations. The thinking is that low-code, no-code software is driving the emergence of citizen developers. And what this refers to are, is to the technical astute, not developers in your organization, but those individuals that are technically astute, they can receive a minimum to no-code training and use some of these tools to create new software capabilities to really speed up the overall digital transformation um, of their organization. Wow, there's definitely a lot there. Um, and healthcare specifically? What you're seeing in healthcare is distributed innovation becomes a differentiator it's no longer it, it's no longer enough to just be innovative in the within the you know proverbial four walls of your organization. It's how do you collaborate with external partners? How do you collaborate with those you know small startups that have a great idea, as well as the larger platform providers, be they Amazon, Google, Microsoft, whatever the case may be. And you're really seeing this play out in the uh, pharmaceutical industry where you're seeing the life science organizations really are embracing this concept of distributed innovation in order to, you know, we saw it, you know, play out with uh, the COVID vaccine, but you're seeing it in other other disease areas, you know, such as, um, you know, oncology and cardiology and diabetes and Alzheimer's, this, this concept of distributed innovation to come up with the next new idea and drug business process, whatever the case may be. Um, also, uh, the rise of on-demand healthcare delivered over telemedicine platform. So that concept that I no longer need to go to a maybe a physical doctor's office or have that conversation with a psychologist, you know, I, I can do this on-demand. Um, it's sort of I I want to be able to do this from the convenience of my home or from anywhere, and you know have that type of uh, healthcare interaction with a provider. Um, and again, like I spoke in the public sector, data, the importance of data science and analytics in healthcare, big data, intelligent data, uh, that data to drive decisions. These could be point of care decisions uh, for a patient. They could be R and D decisions. Uh, they could be uh, decisions to drive, you know, the next new cool medical device, whatever the case may be. But the, it's really the importance of, you know, data science and analytics to drive um, to drive some of these, you know, really important clinical decisions. Um, then also the continued emergence of healthcare AI power tools. You're seeing chatbots, virtual health assistants, hospital droids, 
uh, remote controlled operational, um, you know, op operations. So you see a provider or a surgeon maybe sitting in California and they're performing a procedure on someone in New York. It's, it's quite amazing. And then also precision, the emergence of precision medicine, you know, driving personalized therapies for patients. And you're really seeing a lot of focus in the oncology space. Can we come up with, um, you know, treatments that are really uh, customized, if you will, for for the patient? Are, we're not quite there yet, but it, 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 it's coming. And the question is of, of when. Um, and then healthcare providers, payers, life science companies are realizing the ability to be a good digital partner. It's no longer an option. It's a necessity. You have to play well with others from a digital perspective in order to succeed, you know, to succeed in this new world order. And you're, you're seeing this play out in the, in the space across the healthcare industry. I'm, I'm cautious not to oversimplify it, but if you were to pick some areas of advice that you're giving to your clients that kind of cover <laughs> the whole gamut of those 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 trends and challenges, what, what would they be? So I think the public sector faces a number of challenges as they confront these trends, you know, tight budgets. They operate in highly regulated environments, you know, healthcare, cybersecurity concerns, conflicting organizational processes, ever-increasing citizen-patient uh, experience expectations. I think the advice you try to give is to turn these obstacles into opportunities. Leverage your unique access to demographic and usage data and advances in the integrated IT software that you've implemented in your highly complex environments. Use that to your advantage as you start to plan your digital transformation efforts. Um, we look to advise clients to keep the customers at the center of everything that they do. Delivering that customer first experience can help create a virtuous ecosystem. You, that if you improve that customer experience, that will dove, you know, that, that will dovetail into improving your employee experience, maybe facilitate those vendor partnerships again by being digital ready to do so. Uh, embrace the importance of data to make some of these decisions. So again, that virtuous cycle can uh, help keep your customer at the very center of everything that you do. And then most importantly, um, the advice I have is really is to ensure that you know you develop strong digital transformation frameworks. This framework must think about enterprise architecture, a cohesive view of people, process, technology, and results. It's not a one-time event or a multi-year project. Digital transformation is not a project, more of an evolution. Our clients must think of digital transformation as a continuing balance of IT modernization with evolving processes. So that's 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 some advice we try to give our clients these days as they face these trends. And always keeping people processes and value in mind. What technologies are you sort of working with at the minute that are really kind of bolstering these these conversations? Yeah, so I mean, I see our partners with our clients to implement, you know, some technology. I mentioned low code solutions like Appian, ServiceNow, really leveraging some of these tools. And you look at, um, the presence of ServiceNow with some of our customers being able to automate uh, some of their workflow, work um, even device monitors, monitoring things, um, plugging into that you know sort of I you know Internet of Things ecosystem. Using some of these low-code solutions can help you do that, and also they can help. Um, we've seen using these technologies help to kind of create those citizen developers, which uh, again creates contributes to that virtuous cycle. Also, you know, we're working, you know, with 
artificial intelligence, machine learning, natural language processing technologies, using these technologies to really uh, drive some of the modern analytics. Um, you know, and then, you know, you know, as you think about infrastructure to drive some of, you know, some of these great cool things, you look at solutions that take advantage of sort of like auto scaling, resilience, containerization technologies like Kubernetes and Docker and run on standard and run these on standard cloud platforms like AWS, GCP or Microsoft Azure. So I, I know that's sort of a laundry list of technologies, but what we as ICF do, we try to work with our customers to look at, hey, what's going to not necessarily shoehorn a technology into our into our customer? It's the listen to really what is the issue, what is the value, what is the problem they're trying to solve, and what is it the outcome that they're expecting? Then look at how can we take some of these emerging technologies. Uh, to really, uh, you know, facilitate that outcome and look at what's the right combination of some of these technologies, you know, where it may make sense to use um, hyper automation or some like UI path versus a low code, no code solution or use them in conjunction. You know, it, it really is trying to put together the, the right set of technologies for the right problem at the right time for, for the right customer. I can't help but think you've probably got a few cool case studies or, or client stories that maybe kind of bring this together. Um, anything that jumps out to you? We've had some great work with um, uh, Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General uh, with implementing sort of uh, analytics uh, for fraud, waste and abuse. We're looking uh, at helping them determine where are their cases that uh, they are trying to uh, detect uh, the, the, you know, fraud, right? And, you know, in doing so, we were able to uh, work with them partner and leverage some of these technologies such as uh, such as RPA, Python, SAS uh, and other uh, predictive technologies in order to really um, in order to really help them put in an infrastructure to kind of catch this and automate some of this fraud. And it's been quite a uh, it's been it's been quite a successful uh, program. And so that's a that's something I think the case study I'm pr pretty proud of there. Uh, it's been you know quite quite amazing that it's really been this combination of big data plus RPA you know equals these results. And you know what used to take some of these investigators um, weeks or months you know in order to kind of uncover some of these trends because it was such a manual process, we were able to work with them to develop a data analytics platform um, that really uh, to automate some of these uh, tasks that resulted in just taking hours to get to detect some fraudulent activity. So that, that's a pretty, pretty cool uh, case study. We also have um, another one, which I, th I thought was kind of interesting, you know, where we worked again with HHS and the National Cancer Institute to develop a portal to identify genetic risk factors for, you know, severe COVID-19, where this is one where, you know, ICF, we were able to leverage the power of a low-code platform service now to design and implement. It's a really a custom solution to help the um, National Institutes of Health, National Cancer Institute, understand the role of genetics in determining the severity of a person's COVID-19 infection. And again, I bring this up because obviously this is a reaction to the macro environment and what was going, what, what is still occurring with the pandemic. But we're able to use this um, the, this ServiceNow platform to provide this uh, provide this product and the service to them in just under one month. Then it was just so quick from conception to wow. and it's 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 great, and it's something that has uh, received very well. 
um, by our partners at the NCI. It's really interesting, isn't it? And and um, uh, congratulations on both of those. I think they're both amazing case studies, and I think it is just always amazing how technology can really add so much value, and you can really have a career that is all about purpose, doing some really really cool relevant stuff so no thanks for sharing those as we touched on before you know the podcast does tend to take a, a bit of a mentorship route as well we're, we're interviewing people that have you know got seasoned careers for a reason um you know if you were to go back and do it all again you know maybe even go back five ten years what would be the advice to your your younger self oh, that's a great question uh, i think the advice to my younger self is to follow the problem and not not a company or a title or a job description. It really is looking what's the interesting problem and how can I be part of a team to tackle that problem? And you know, because I found that what that's what has driven me is the complexity of the problem, how hairy is the problem, and you know, how how maybe how impossible you know is are you is the outcome, is the expected outcome. But uh, it's that journey of, you know, again, rolling up your sleeves, working with a great team and, you know, really just continuing to focus on the problem. I think in some cases, you know, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, you know, instead of following the problem, maybe I followed something different that I thought was very important at the time. It could have been the location of a position. It may have been a title. Maybe it was money, whatever the case may be. But I think if I could go back, I would say, you know what? Um, really, is this really a cool and exciting problem? Are, what, what am I going to get out of what I do on a daily basis, right? You know, am I going to be excited to get out of bed in the morning? Man, uh, sure, you're going to have some good days and some bad days. But for the most part, you know, am I excited about what am I doing? Am I solving a really complicated problem? And it tie, tying back, you know, is telling myself, you know what? The mission and what you're kind of working on is, is, is really important. And, you know, are you solving a problem that will help us, you know, achieve that vision to uh, accomplish, you know, whatever that mission is. So I think that's some advice I'd give my younger self. Amazing. Look, Rich, thank you so much for this. This has been so insightful and, and for me and the listeners. So really appreciate you taking the time out and um, we'll leave you back getting back to your clients and really appreciate you. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Really appreciate it. AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aulis offer an exec search program. Aulis can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aulis advantage. Become a member of the Aulis community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldis member and get the Aldis advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldis.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.